So where I want to go next is to talk a little bit about uh, mental health for a moment and some of the darkness um, that so many of us are carrying. Uh, this might be a tender conversation for you. Don't worry, we're not going to do anything crazy. But I just want to say that's okay. If you need to breathe deep um, and relax and just know that this is an okay place to be whatever you are today. Um, but we've had two um, celebrity suicides in the week that just came up to this moment. They've been in the headlines. And um, behind those headlines are details like the fact that suicide uh, has increased uh, roughly 30% in 10 years in the United States. That's the average. Um, certain populations and places have a more intense growth in that area. And by the way, that's just the ones that are reported. Um, and we are absolutely committed to being a good church for mental health. We're committed to being a safe place for mental health. And so uh, I'm asking a friend to join me uh, just to talk for a couple of moments um, to people who might be carrying some darkness, to those of us who love people who might be carrying some darkness, and to the community that we are becoming together as we walk together. Uh, this friend of mine, we worked together for years, which is one of the privileges of my life in that season. Uh, this friend of mine, he spent uh, years in the practice of pastoral care. Uh, he himself has been uh, a crisis counselor on crisis text lines. Uh, he's pursued training through a number of avenues to equip him to help others be great in moments like this. And so I just asked him if he would come up here and talk to us a bit. Will you please welcome Mark Waltz? Come on. Mark, thank you for, for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. Uh, and I sh I, today I said that Mark's part of this, this community here, but I appreciate you giving up the whole morning and Tuesday night to talk to us. Mark, um, I've sort of shared your professional connection uh, to things like this, but uh, you also have a personal connection. Yeah, I do. Um, in my mid-late 30s, um, I found myself in a really dark, dark place um, with depression and over days and then weeks and then months Though I was with a counselor working through some childhood trauma, um, I came to a place where um, he discovered, along with my wife, Laura, that um, I was actually pondering, considering what it would look like to take my life. And um, so they actually ran a literal intervention and got me to a hospital. We were in the Northwest at the time. Mm -hmm. Got me to a hospital in Seattle where I spent 11 days um, inpatient and um, several weeks following that months kind of rebuilding uh, out of all that. Um, in the hospital, the first 24 hours, I still tried to harm myself, and I was, I was just in a very, very dark place. Yeah. Um, the kind of place you look back and ask, was that me? And the kind of dark place when you're in it that you ask, is this me? Yeah. Um, and out of all of that and um, the healing through soul friendships, that I've had over the last 20 years now uh, has been this place where I have a deep empathy uh, yeah. for people who are struggling yeah. with that level of brokenness. So when I ask you to speak to anyone who might be, I mean, maybe they're just feeling depression or maybe they don't have a word for what they're feeling, but there's some kind of uh, shadow that they feel, or maybe, maybe it's more explicit and maybe they've had some suicidal thoughts. When I ask you to speak to those people, it's not theoretical, and I really appreciate that. Mark, what would you say to people who are carrying some of that darkness themselves? Mm. Um, tough question in a room this size, this many people, brief time. So the first thing I would say is um, whatever your struggle and sense of brokenness is, um, good on you for being here. Because any level of depression, uh, mental illness, despair um, breeds isolation. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to push past that and engage 
this kind of space. And so I'm really grateful that you pushed through whatever you had to push through mm -hmm. to be here. Um, secondly, I would say to you, um, it's okay to be honest about where you are. Mm -hmm. um, and it's difficult for us to be honest because um, we, we make jokes and the stigma of mental illness stays high even from things we say to each other like um, he's nuts or um, there's a pill for that or on your, on your, on your meds and it's just not funny and we've grown up with that in our culture and I want to say to you if you're on medication take your medication um, I first began taking medication 20 years ago I'm still taking medication because I'm prone to slip back into a very slippery, dark place um, without it. Mm -hmm. um, you would take medication for any other illness. It's okay and right to take medicine for mental illness. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's, I should add too, um, one in five Americans uh, suffer from some point or some level of in, uh, mental illness. Uh, that's in 19, or 2016, uh, 45 million people mm -hmm. suffering. Um, you're not alone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there are people around who want to who want to help. Yeah. And just in case this wasn't already clear, I mean, Mark's naming his own history with that. If you've been here at all, you've heard my history with this kind of thing. And so, if you just wonder if this is a safe place um, to know you're you're not um, aberrant or a problem uh, because of that stuff. I hope you hear loud and clear. This is a really great place for that. Uh, Mark, there's, uh, there's direct help right, and a way to reach for that. Here's what I want to do. Would everybody in the room take out your cell phone? Everybody take out your cell phone. I'm asking everyone to do this. This is your pastor talking to you or some strange man you never met before on a stage when your friend dragged you to church. Um, but I just want to ask everybody to take out your phone. Here's the thing. Many in this room may not need these numbers yourself, but most of us at some point in life, whether we know it or not, will be in proximity to somebody who could use quick access to the help that's waiting on the other end of these numbers. And I don't know why we wouldn't all just have them with us, right? So the first number, 1-800-273-8255, uh, is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's a phone number you can call and talk to someone and hear a voice on the other end of the line. These are people who are really well trained to help you in that moment. And then if you'd rather text or if somebody that you know would rather text when they're struggling, you can text the, number, or the word HOME to 741-741, and that's a crisis text line where you can text with someone who can help. And Mark, you've actually worked on the crisis text line, right? Yeah, uh, for a number of months, almost a year. Um, a lot of training with that, and uh, yeah, and a lot of brokenness to respond to, yeah. Yeah, yep. Um, and I hope you hear it too, like, in Mark and I sharing our stories, like, we're here as flesh and blood examples that things really do get better. Um, I know in my experience, finding the right help can take a long time, and then it can take a long time for the help to start helping. Um, it can be frustrating. It can take a lot of patience. Um, but I, I, I don't want to speak for you, Mark. I'd say um, I'm endlessly grateful um, that with the help of some other people, like I held on to at least a shred of hope that it gets better. And I'm here today, and you are too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you want to say to people who, um, who are near someone, who love someone, who's carrying some of this darkness? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to say to those of you in the room who um, you lost someone to a suicide, family, friend, um, if you've heard it before, here again, 
if you're not here for the first time, it's not on you. Um, as painful as it is, and the many questions that you've asked, what did you miss? What could I have done? Um, it's, it's difficult, sometimes even impossible, to sense, to know, to grasp what's happening. And um, it's not on you. At the same time, I would say, suicide is preventable. Mm. Um, and that's the effort all of us carry when we carry phone numbers like this with us to be helpful to someone. Um, I would say, uh, first of all, there's got to be space that is safe in a relationship. There's got to be this practice of presence where someone knows that you, you are safe, where you've offered friendship that Jason's talked about that's at a base level that allows you to ask things like, are you having suicidal thoughts? Do you desire to take your life? And, and hear this. You asking that question will not plant an idea that will cause someone to then act. Yeah, I think that's a really important uh, yeah, thing to hear from somebody like you who knows what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, if they already have the idea, honestly, your question might be the first time anyone's asked. And the first opportunity they've actually felt permission and courage enough to say, yes, I've thought about it or I'm thinking about it, which is a huge step for someone mm -hmm. to say out loud. Uh, secondly, if the answer to that question is yes, then, then there really are just four of these questions that kind of help through this risk ladder to assess where someone is in this crisis. And the second one is, um, do you have a plan? How would, you, how would you do this? And if they describe to you a plan, I have, I'm planning on taking medicine or pills or drugs or I have a gun or I, then the third question would be, do you have means to those things? Do you have the pills? Do you have the gun? If the answer is, again, yes, then really this is becoming quite urgent. Do you intend to take your life for the next 24 hours? What is the level of crisis? And if the answer to that is yes, then if you're talking by phone, it's keep the person on the phone. Um, find a way to get help to them if you can't go directly. This is not a time to have conversation about would you consider. This is I'm coming to you if you're close to them. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm driving to you now. I'm going to pick you up. We're going to get you help. That's the kind of intervention that's needed. If you can't get to them, then it's call the police. Yeah. And um, civil servants will arrive to provide safety and get them somewhere where they can get help. I should say too, if you're wondering where to get help, uh, Oaklawn is right here downtown South Bend. Um, people I know and love have spent time there. I've spent time there. And it is, uh, to begin with, a safe place. And uh, there's 24-7 access there. And if you're trying to get yourself some help or take somebody else to get some help, um, they're right there. Right? If you can't get there, hospitals in general are not a terrible place to go. Yeah. Uh, Mark, what do you want to say uh, to us as a community about, um, you know, I, I should say, I, I don't know that um, we'll solve all of this at Southland City Church, right? But we can get better, right? We, we can always have our eye on what kind of a community creates better conditions for healing. What do you want to say to us? So Brene Brown um, talks about creating safe containers. Mm. And of all places and spaces that ought to be a safe container, Shouldn't it be a faith community? Shouldn't it be the church? And what Brene's talking about is a space where 
vulnerability is not just talked about or welcomed, but it's practiced. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important for all of us to be honest in appropriate ways in soulful relationships about our own brokenness. Mm -hmm. We can't say we're going to meet someone where they are and then not journey with them, sit with them out of a sense of empathy because we're understanding our own brokenness. Um, we may not share our level of brokenness with everyone in the space, in the room, but somewhere inside this community, we should have someone, we ought to have someone yeah. with whom we can be vulnerable, transparent with our own brokenness, which honestly opens me up then yeah. to listen and be tuned in to the brokenness of other people. Yeah. Um, a little bit about sort of right-sizing expectations here. It's important to say this too, I think. Um, if somebody had a heart attack uh, during our gathering, right, uh, I, we would certainly pray, but I wouldn't like body block a physician and be like, pastor's here, I got this, right? Like that would be absurd. Uh, we would want a medical professional to give the best kind of medical help. Uh, that's also the case uh, for mental health around here. So we want to be a great community for mental health. Um, those of us on staff have... Um, maybe a little better than average awareness of uh, what makes for good mental health and what to do when we're struggling. Uh, but I'm, like, I'm, not a, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and right now nobody on our staff is. So I want you to know that like, the, our commitment to you is we will help you find the right kind of help, but I or somebody in my staff may not be um, the right kind of help. Uh, we already have a sort of burgeoning network of mental health professionals that we're in con connection with as a church. And we're getting to know more and more of them and looking for ways that we can just make sort of safe handoffs so that you'll be in good hands and we can help you make sure that you're in good hands. But that's the right way to think about what this community is able to offer on a sort of professional level and that stuff, right? Uh, one more thing I want to say, um, Mark. Um, so we're talking about Anamkara, the soul friend. And this is why this isn't as disconnected as it might sound. Um, so Mark, uh, when I was really struggling with depression, and this was not long before I was hospitalized, I actually reached out to you um, because I knew a little bit of, of Mark's history with this and he'd been open and sharing that story. And um, I can't tell you, Mark, what a difference it made um, to just have you present in my life. Um, you, I felt a little bit less like a freak, a little more hopeful that there was something on the other side of all of this because I had a friend um, who was present with me the way that you were. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. You guys want to help me thank Mark for speaking to us today? Thank you. Thank you.